Hi there, I'm Nick Preciado, editor at San Jose Spotlight and co-host of The Podlight, a podcast produced by San Jose Spotlight. A 13,900-square-foot Buddhist temple is planned for less than two acres in the Evergreen neighborhood of San Jose, and some residents think it's going to overrun their streets with traffic and noise. People who speak out against developments in their areas are often labeled as NIMBYs, which stands for Not In My Backyard. But in this contentious case, for some residents, the development would be almost literally in their backyard. I'll be speaking to a neighbor of the project later in the show, but right now I'm speaking with Pierluigi Oliverio, chair of the San Jose Planning Commission and a former city council member. He and his colleagues voted to recommend the temple development to the city council for final approval. Welcome to the show, Pierluigi. Hey, Nick. Good to be here. Hope you're doing well. You too. So let's get right into it. Um, first question, why are you in support of this project? Well, the recommendation was supported by planning staff. This project's been in the work for a number of years. They've done extensive community outreach. And essentially, you know, any structure you build anywhere has an impact to something. And it's just a matter of how you manage that. And ultimately, planning staff felt it was uh, workable, as well as the commission. And of course, the next step is the city council. Yes. And so some commissioners actually said that they felt the temple would enhance the neighborhood. Where does the beautification of this area come into play in this development? I think for some, when they look at an empty lot, they think that's blighted. And so if a structure is put upon that, that, that they would think it's improvement. Uh, I think sometimes when you have uh, extraordinary architecture, which is proposed by the temple, then that could seem to be very pleasing versus an empty lot. So I think that's uh, potentially where that feedback came from. Mm, Thank you for explaining that. Now, the plans for this project have changed a few times over several years, uh, with the developer downsizing the project and also removing uh, an underground parking garage component. But residents are still concerned about traffic and noise. I'm curious to know, what rights do these property owners have to address these concerns other than, you know, speaking out at these public meetings like they've done so already? Well, certainly they have, the, as you mentioned, the ability to come as part of the public process, uh, and whether that's a commission or council, you know, lobbying, voicing their opinions or concerns that's available to anyone. Um, anyone, I assume, in California, we're a very litigious society where, uh, you know, every everything and everyone can get sued, even if it's, you know... Uh, frivolous. But with that said, um, neighbors could certainly, you know, pursue that if they wanted to, whether the success would be um, something that would happen, I don't know. But we know that there's lots of projects in the state of California that get delayed year year after year due to due to litigation. So, um, you know, planning staff does everything to be by the book. So therefore, if something does go to court, that the um, that the due diligence is done to show it's been approved for land use reasons. Right. Now, if the development is approved, um, there are going to be some improvements that are going to be added, such as sidewalks, curbs, as well as a traffic circle. How will this help alleviate concerns from residents about traffic and pedestrian safety? Well, certainly having a sidewalk is excellent for pedestrian safety and not having to walk in uh, the street. Um, The roundabouts are an extremely effective way to move uh, traffic. Uh, but ultimately, anytime you locate something, as I mentioned previously, there will be some traffic. Um, and with that said, you know, religious uh, institutions all over San Jose generate traffic as much as a school does. And there will be peak times and there will be just regular uh, traffic. So inevitably, uh, there will be cars. It's just a matter of, is that an acceptable level 
when I look out throughout San Jose and neighborhoods I live in, um, we have had churches, mostly churches, adjacent to single family homes, adjacent to residential, and they have their peak times and um, neighbors, you know, may love it or they may dislike it, but it's sort of the nature of uh, when people congregate of a sense of community, in this case, uh, religious nature. So it's not uncommon to have religious uh, places of worship within neighborhoods. Now, opponents of the project have accused commissioners of ignoring the land use issues with this project and being swayed by the idea that this group of Buddhists uh, deserve to have a place of worship like any other congregation. How did you balance land use and the religious aspect of this project in your decision? Um, it's a factor in that we know it's a you know considered to be a, a place where people will congregate to uh, practice their religion, but it's not a land use matter really. The land use matter is, you know, what is the setbacks? What is the structure that will be built? What, um, you know, does it meet health and safety codes? Uh, you know, what is the amount of parking spaces that will be made available? Those are the types of things. I don't think uh, the decision should be based on any particular religion. But at the same time, uh, certainly there is a sense of uh, uh, strong religious history in the United States, religious freedom, and the ability for people to come together and practice. And uh, as again, as I stated, there's just numerous places you can point in the city where religious institutions are w within neighborhoods. One homeowner along Ruby Avenue actually decided not to sell their property. Uh, and as a result of that, the temple site's going to wrap around their home on three sides. In your time in public office, have you seen this before? And as a follow-up to that, how will this homeowner be impacted if the temple is ultimately approved? Yeah, that happens. Uh, you know, we still have private property rights in the United States and uh, individuals do not have to sell and the city will not be practicing any type of eminent domain or anything like that. I think you can go see the same thing, I think, on the Center Road, S-C-N-T-E-R, where a development wraps around a single family house and uh, kind of looks like probably some Disney movie I can't remember. But, uh, you know, here's a single family home and a fairly large multifamily complex is wrapped around it. So it does happen. Final question here. Um, and this is a little up in the air because the city council still needs to ultimately decide whether or not this is going to be built. If they decide not to build uh, or sorry, let me rephrase that. If they decide not to approve the temple development, what else could be uh, built on the site as currently zoned? Well, based on recent legislation uh, in the California that lot could be approved for some fairly high density residential uh, since it has a and it has a by right nature depending on the application, meaning there would be no public process at all. So um, if this didn't happen, then certainly the current property owner could extend that uh, property to the marketplace. And that's certainly a potential to happen. I know there was a prior proposal for residential uh, at a lower density. However, state law has really changed to, you know, really push the density much higher and also remove public process. Well, Pierluigi Oliverio, chair of the San Jose Planning Commission, thank you so much for speaking with me about this. Great, Nick. Good, good hanging out with you. Thanks so much for offering this uh, podcast to your listeners. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. And when I return, I'll be speaking with a neighbor of the project. 
Hello, Josh Bruce here, co-founder of San Jose Spotlight. Did you know that San Jose Spotlight is Silicon Valley's only nonprofit news organization? That's right. Our impact journalism is funded by generous readers like you. And this year, we have plans to expand our reporting to other cities in Santa Clara County. If you find value in our reporting, consider becoming a sustaining member today with a monthly or annual recurring donation by visiting our website, SanJoseSpotlight.com. Thank you. Welcome back. I'm speaking with Merle Pabasetti, a San Jose resident who moved to the Evergreen neighborhood 15 years ago from Cupertino. He's working with other residents to preserve the character and safety of their neighborhood. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Nick. Happy to be here. So to start, can you give um, a description for listeners of where your house is located in relation to the development site? Sure. So uh, I'm one of the fence line neighbors um, on uh, cul-de-sac street, right next to the temple property. It's called Pinocote. So... And uh, it's on Ruby, very close to the single driveway uh, that the temple has proposed. Now, um, you and other neighbors of the project have expressed concerns about potential impact. Uh, This includes the number of people allowed at the temple at one time and the hours they'd be able to be there, as well as traffic and pedestrian safety concerns, noise as well. Some residents are worried that uh, the max amount of 300 people attending uh, the temple or expected to attend the temple during holidays and special events, that might be a lot. Uh, the rest of the time, according to developer representatives, it's supposed to be about 20 to 50 people. This would be during the weekday and on weekend service. What are you worried will happen when these special events occur and there are potentially hundreds of people in your neighborhood? Sure, Nick. So uh, first, a few comments, right? I'll get to that uh, specific question. So uh, first thing is, all of our concerns are related to land use. It's not about the temple, to be very clear, right? Uh, the neighbors would welcome a Buddhist temple, uh, to Evergreen, just like we have the Sikh Gurudwara and the uh, EIC Masjid, right? Um, but if you look at the documents uh, closely, right, it's not just a mere temple, right, that they're building. It's a regional and national facility for Buddhism. Uh, and to support that, they have a large community event center as well. So just think about this, right? This 1.8 acre lot with a private home in the middle cannot support a natural cultural event of any level, right? From traffic to noise to safety and all of all of that, right? Now, so in short, it's not a NIMBY thing. It's just that we are saying it's a land use issue wherein this infill project does not meet the 2040 GP guideline. That is, it's, it is not in consistency with the uh, with the neighborhood in terms of density, lot size, shape, massing, and neighboring pattern. That's point number one. Number two is, see, I'm part of this core team, right? Core, I'm a core member of this grassroots movement, uh, which is working to preserve the current nature and safety of the neighborhood, right? We have about 1,500 people who have signed this petition. And these are people from various religions, nationalities, age groups, and many of them are Buddhists themselves, right? Uh, so irrespective of what kind of uh, religious institution, if it was a church or a Hindu temple or a masjid or anything else, we'd have the same position. So it's in short, it's not a case of racism or anything like that, which some of the people claim claim it to be. Right Now, coming to your specific question, right? Uh, first thing is, it's they say 300 visitors, but that's excluding any number of staff, volunteers and vendors. Right. 
And second data point is from uh, from the reports uh, and news articles, right? There are about five to 6,000 people who belong to that subsect of Buddhism, okay? And also they clearly state that this meets their minimum requirement of the temple needs. However, when you look at the temple's latest proposal, uh, referred to page 17, the buildings themselves have an occupancy load of about 828 people, okay? And plus covered courtyards, which can accommodate over 1,000 people and many more in the uncovered spaces, right? If it is truly for 300 people, a question, right? It truly for 300 people, why does the building has a capacity of, I don't know, maybe five times, eight times that number, right? Devotees will come and go, right? But neighbors will have to bear the impact starting 7 a.m. to midnight for many of the religious events. There are 20 plus religious events, which are multi-day events, and also many more uh, private weddings, events, all of those things. Is it fair is the question what we are asking. Right. And second one is, see, currently they are in a landlocked location. Now they are moving to another landlocked location, right? This location has zero room for growth. What we are suggesting is, see, there are multiple sites, sites within our neighborhood, right? Um, which are much bigger and they can truly support a magnificent temple like this, right? That is truly worth of worth of Bhagwan Buddha, right? Um, and uh, a clear, a good example is the Sikh Gurudwara, right? Which is uh, built on 44 acres. And they continue to expand on a regular basis because their community is growing, right? A number of people who are visiting are growing. I'm sure that's, that's the case. That will be the case for this temple as well. So what we are recommending is or what we are asking or curious is why don't they move to a piece of land within our community, which is much more bigger and can support a project of this nature and size. I see. Thank you for explaining that. Now, if this development is approved, uh, there's talk of sidewalks and curbs being added as well as a traffic circle. I know there have been concerns about traffic and pedestrian safety with accidents happening in that area. Do you think any of these improvements will help alleviate some of those concerns? I don't think so. See, uh, in fact, we suspect it's going to get worse, right? Uh, because first of all, this intersection itself is dangerous, right? Um, we have speeding issues. We have uh, people not stopping on st stop signs. Now adding a traffic circle, I don't know how it's going to remedy it, right? Because the real estate for a traffic circle is very limited there. Uh, I don't know, Nick, if you have been to that site, right? It's a very small intersection. And now people eight cars could be going in in eight different directions. So just imagine that small traffic circle and these cars entering that small traffic circle and going in, in eight different directions. It's a huge safety issue. And what do you mean by eight coming in and out of the traffic circle on four sides? So one in and out each way? From each direction, a person could be going straight could be going right, could be going left. Sticking with cars for a moment, I know that parking was reduced uh, with this project. At one point, there was talk of an underground parking garage that's gone away. Uh, now parking is about a little under 70 spots. I want to say 67 or 68. 
Do you think there will be issues with overflow onto the streets uh, during these holidays or special events that they talk about where there could be more than these, you know, 20 to 50 people during a regular weekday or weekend service? Absolutely, there will be, right? Think about this. If they have a, if their immediate number of devotees or their community is five to 6,000 people, right? And the capacity of the, of the center, event center is like, say, total is about whatever, or easily 2,000 people, right? If you add everything. Just imagine the number of cars that would come in and there are just 67 parking spots, right? So definitely there's a huge concern. That's one of the uh, biggest concerns what we have, wherein for a regional national center for Buddhism, having 67 parking spots is, is, is minimal to nothing. And in fact, one more key point is it's not close to any of the public transport. So everybody has to drive in and drive out during the entire day of 7 a.m. to 12 p.m. during the special days, right? And the parking will not be sufficient. And all their alternative parking and all of those things, right? Uh, we have seen, I mean, like, kind of, we've seen other temples which are built in small neighborhoods that the parking will definitely overflow into neighborhood, neighborhood uh, lots as well as, as well as, yeah, streets and stuff. If the project is approved uh, and the noise level is a problem, I know there's some concerns with the sound system. What will you do? I mean, your property is right next to the project. Is, is there a scenario where you would consider building a sound wall or something to help block out noise if that is such a problem? I understand this sound wall is part of their proposal, right? But if, I mean, even if it is, just think about, it all depends upon the wind directions, right? I'm not sure how effective it's going to be, right? And also I understand they have external speakers, they have karaoke, they have celebrations for private events, all of those things. Uh, I'm hoping that's the reason why we are suggesting that they pick a appropriate site, right? And, but even if they go and build, I'm hoping the temple as well as the city will ensure the they comply with all the commitments when it comes to noise, capacity, traffic, parking, all of those things. Yes, and I think that that was even um, an argument made by some of the planning commissioners who supported this was that they would be watching, the community be watching to make sure this temple is following what it's allowed to do by the permit. And if it wasn't, that the city would be alerted. And still, it's not clear as to what actions they would take. Is it just they're going to send an email saying that there was a violation or is that going to be a strike against them? See, all of these things are are still up in the air. But the thing is, see, there is a opportunity for doing this right, right? I have one more comment, but let's continue the conversations. Maybe I will, I'll cover it as part of my closing comment. Yes, uh, well, I only had a couple more questions. Uh, one of them was just um, in relation to, you know, the noise or uh, other concerns that might exist. Have you thought about making any other kind of renovations or home improvements um, to your house or property in relation to this temple? Not really. I mean, like kind of, we have spent a good uh, <laughs> chunk of money over the last uh, several years, right, in upgrading our home. Uh, so I don't think my wife would approve any more any more upgrade projects on uh, for our home. So I think we are done. I I don't I don't have anything on the horizon. Final question here: uh, If this weren't to get approved, what do you think would be a better use of that site? Uh, as far as I understand the history of this, right? Uh, this uh, this particular parcel of land was not developed because it was owned by somebody else in the past, right? So. Uh, what would be appropriate is for uh, for this project to 
to be built out, like the housing community to be built out that is consistent with the R15 zoning. And that has been welcomed by the neighbors. I mean, like kind of the previous plan was a R15 housing and then everybody was supportive of that. Parting comment is, see, applicant has been blessed with immense wealth and success, okay? They're billionaires, they're spending upwards of $25 million towards this cause, right? So they have a great opportunity to build a magnificent temple in our community, right? That would ensure that none of the ordinary residents, neighbors who are there will not bear the impact of this. And the devotees, their devotees would would have a magnificent monument to celebrate Buddhism. So my appeal to them is, yeah, please come into our neighbor, uh, into our community, but choose a appropriate site which is worthy of this great temple they're trying to build. That's all. Thank you. I've been speaking with Morelli Pabasetti, a San Jose resident who moved to the Evergreen neighborhood 15 years ago. That's it for this episode of The Podlight, a podcast produced by San Jose Spotlight. I'm editor Nick Preciado. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Thank you.